name is Andrea and welcome to my podcast. This next few episodes are going to be about dyslexia as an adult, something I've been wanting to like touch into for a very long time. So welcome to my episodes and I hope you enjoy and please I welcome any comments. Hello everyone and welcome back to my podcast. The title is Dyslexia as an Adult, Episode 1. Now let's first discuss what dyslexia is. Now I could go very easily into the medical terminology but let's be honest that would be just so boring and I don't want to start off that way. What I want to discuss is how much of a common word it has become and how aware we are all about it everywhere and now kids at school we would be diagnosed for every single mental disability but one thing that no one ever touches on is what happens afterwards as an adult with a disability what life is like once you do have all the education training and the teachers have taught you what happens next Now, for me, myself, I'll admit, I am dyslexic. I have been diagnosed with a learning disability. Thankfully, mine is only moderate, which I have trained very successfully for three years when I was young to be in the position I am today. But uh, not many people are as lucky as I am. So we're going to touch more on the people that unfortunately are unlucky. But I haven't been very lucky in some senses of the word either. I'm going to touch a little bit on the social side and emotional side of dyslexia and I think this is something that everyone with mental disability will find very easy to understand and find in common with because it is something that can cause a large amount of anxiety and depression as you grow up because having disability and trying to make new friends and trying to speak to people in a certain way even romantic relationships it's it's the most difficult thing anyone can go through I always used to look at my own personal experiences and then I've actually seen other people's experiences and in some parts I felt lucky that I got to meet people who went through the same thing for example short-term memory loss now that can be probably the most difficult and hard thing you can have growing up and learning to control over especially when you have conversations with people with making friends they'll look at you and think oh my god is he is she or he like so stupid did they not just remember what we were talking about and you feel in yourself that i didn't do that on purpose it it was my disability and you feel so embarrassed and then you withdraw yourself and become very antisocial. So that doesn't help in building any friendships. I'm very lucky enough to have a friend who I have known since I was 11 years old, who understood me and still understands me from head to toe on everything. So I count myself as one of the very lucky people. But unfortunately, some people are not like that. Then we get onto the romantic side to a boy or girl that you like and you want to talk to and you want to have a conversation with um i can again only my experience which i will shamelessly enjoy it like express to you so 
please don't judge me as I tell you this. Um, what happened is, is that as um, he was talking to me, he asked me a question. And unfortunately, someone came over and spoke to us about something else. And I completely forgot what the conversation was about that he asked me. So when he turned to me and asked me, I became so deadly scared because I completely forgot what the question was. Not because I wasn't paying attention, not because I wasn't focused on him and what his words were saying, but because I couldn't remember. And I stood there for a few seconds trying very hard and my own conclusion was to hopefully agree and pray that it went really well. And yes, it did, thankfully. I was very lucky in that sense. But some people aren't. People find it hard to understand you the way you are. As, as a person with dyslexia, you go through so many different changes and you think in such a different level and way that some people will be thinking about one thing and you'll be four steps ahead already thinking about the conclusion of that. And when you give that answer, you'll be looked at as if, oh gosh, were they not paying attention to the question? Yes, they were. They were just a few steps ahead because that's the way they see things mentally. Now, I'm not going to go on, on and on about dyslexia and uh, how it can cause so much depression and anxiety because as you grow up and you go through these things, it still sticks to you. So as an adult, you may still go through these antisocial difficulties and the doctors, bless them, their only answer is, oh, therapy and medication. And your, your body becomes so addicted to this medication, you have no idea how to go on without them. And unfortunately, that is the case still today. I mean, how are we supposed to live our lives? Without always going to the doctor to help us with our antisocial behaviour, our anxiety that becomes so intense that some people uh, physically shake, some people throw up, some people start having memory loss, some people just can't handle it and have a panic attack. And as you grow older, this doesn't go away. Sometimes it can intensify because a work life is very difficult. Now we're going to touch more on this subject with a friend of mine who has gone through the same things and we're going to join her in this conversation and see what she thinks about it and how she went through it. So stay tuned. Okay, so our special guest today is Lisa who's going to be helping me talk about the issues we have with anxiety and depression and having a disability. So Lisa, please introduce yourself to the whole crowd. Hi everyone, Um, yeah, that's me, hi. <laughs> now, what I was mentioning in the first part before we started talking is how much it affects our like social life in uh, relationship-wise and how it affects us as we grow up, that anxiety and that depression, how it builds, because it never goes away. But our fun doctors just like, oh, counselling, how about some medication? Yes. We're, we're, we're all on it. 
unfortunately. I've already shared my embarrassing experiences of uh, liking a guy, forgetting completely our conversation and praying to God my answer came out correctly. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that was my part. Tell, tell me about what difficulties you found as you were growing up with your disability. I found that because of the anxiety that I had, I wasn't really fully aware of what was coming out of my mouth. And I think we've chatted about this before. I will either be so anxious that I will not say anything. Um, I will being quite like socially awkward or I will try and you know walk into the room and try and convince myself that you know it's the first time I'm meeting these people um they don't know me by nature I'm quite bubbly and fun and I like to you know just have a good time and interact with people and because of that, I will say really silly things and mm, I'll yeah. get like a look and then I'll kind of realize what I've said and just as surprised as what you are, you just like, I am too. Yeah, it's the same as me. You just like come out with things like don't even know why I said it, I did. And it just makes you put yourself in that bubble and become so antisocial. And I think that's why me and you were so glad we met. We were like bounced off each other like, oh good, you're just as, you're just as weird as me. Thank you, I'm so happy about that. <laughs> so when, And when we see each other get so like anxious, we just know what to do. We know how to help each other. We're yeah. like, okay, breathe. Yeah. We're going to do this and it's going to help. But when you're in a work-life situation as an adult, it's hard to do that. Mm -hmm. It's very, very hard. And especially with like people you don't know. And it's so hard. You don't want to start from the beginning to get them to understand. No, I'm not crazy. No, I'm not stupid. Uh, No, those are my thoughts sometimes. You know, I'm going to admit, yeah. (laughs) but you have to start from beginning and you do in like all friendships you do um but it's so rare that you do meet people that just have an understanding of the anxiety you have and the depression that has built in the background yeah and it's it's so hard to explain i mean do you have any examples of like mine mine was the oh sorry cute guy what were you saying i have no idea I don't remember. Yes. I I get um I I just don't remember. I just fall blank out completely. I sometimes think that the people think I'm so naive. Mm. Meanwhile I, I think I'm quite intelligent, but because on the inside, I'm dealing with all these things. When you you ask me something, my my brain is literally just it has stopped. It's like someone has paused me, and I just I can't think. I, I the the panic kicks in. The anxiety I, yes, it, kick, the panic it kicks in. Completely kicks in. It's like it when you're in an exam. Over. 
and I, I'll just stand and I have, I can't say anything. I literally cannot say one word. And that is the most frustrating thing for me because if I do have all these things going on, I think that 99% of the time, me and this person would have the best conversation on so many different levels. But because we're in this group setting, my anxiety is just too much and I can't process. Whereas if I'm aside, where it's just you and me, well, I could talk to you all night, you know, and have many different types of conversation, intelligent ones at that. So it's, it's hard. It's actually quite hard. People don't realize how it actually affects you. You kind of feel like you put on the spot. I feel like I'm in first grade and I've prepared my speech. I'm prepared. I've walked into the room and I've mentally prepared myself and I'm standing up in front of all of you and there's nothing. Well, you're lucky you did only a speech. I actually tried to sing because I'm insane and I practiced. I practiced my heart out and I'm not a bad singer. I will admit I do have a lovely voice. But the anxiety of the people staring at you, this is not just stage fright, but the anxiety itself of your disability. And it didn't help. I had two girls that said they would help me and they started walking away. My voice literally turned into a chipmunk. As I saw them walking away, it was like, hi, hi, where are you getting, where are you going? Why are you walking away? So I was like, no, 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 can't do it, no. But you're, but you're lucky enough, you, you have a lovely husband and a lovely son. So tell me, how was it with, when you met your husband? I mean, like, obviously with this anxiety, you know, relationship-wise, which is what I included, I mean, how did that fall into, like, amazing like happiness for you what made you so lucky because i'm getting i'm getting tips off you right now (laughs) (laughs) well like i said to you when i met my husband i was quite young and he knows this this is like fact he knows when i first met him i was like omg what's a twat i could never speak (laughs) i was just like i didn't and he was, he said to me many years later, he was trying to impress. And I was like, well, you tried way too hard. You were like repulsive. And he was like, thank you for giving me a chance. <laughs> um, so thank you, he, thank you for giving my craziness a second chance. Because yeah, I really yeah. wanted that. <laughs> you know, he, he said to me, thank you that I gave him a chance. And I'm like, well, I'm surprised you're still here. You know, like, are you lost? <laughs> like, really, you know what I am now. But, um, yeah, basically, we were young, and um, I am that type of person. I do like people, and I do believe in, in second chances, you know, with people. And I also believe that first impressions firstly last, 
um, the company that you keep also says a lot about you and the company that he kept at that time also it, it was like a whole package type of a thing but when I got to know him individually it was a complete different person to what I thought he actually was so that's how we basically started to know each other and he is completely different to if I compare the two of us, he's completely different. He's calm, he's cool, he thinks kind of, he thinks a lot differently to me. I'll go to him with a problem and he's so frustrated because I've tried my best to figure this out or, you know, try and think about it the way he would or you know, just try and figure this problem out. And he'll look at me and go like, keep always says this to me. He looks at me and he'll say to me like, keep it simple, stupid. Have you ever thought this way? And then I'll stand there and my light bulb will go off and I'm like, okay, now you're just irritating me. Let me go now, sort this problem out. But I think once again, that's the anxiety and the depression and the pressure and everything else I put on myself to try and sort something out where you'll be like, that's not so important and just go back to step one. You you jump into step ten where you should have been done with this at step one. Why why we jumped why we skipped all this and why are you yeah. I mentioned that earlier, actually, in the in this uh, episode of how, like, our disability puts us not that we're stupid. It's that, like, while you're still thinking of step one, where our brains have already done that and we're on step two or three. And it makes people say, like, oh, that we're stupid. But it sounds like you and your husband have this great thing where you bounce off each other so positively and he understands and you understand and you give yeah. each other that opportunity. So i I got to say, I'm jealous. You know, this is so not fair. <laughs> not on all of us. <laughs> but I am so happy for you as well at the same time. Girl, no, he's helped me a lot. He's helped me a lot. He has... Well, definitely happy for you. But one last thing I wanted to touch on is that I think I think some of us, I've actually, I don't know if you've been through this more than I have, but when it comes to work-life experience, I've had occasions where I haven't admitted my disability because of the way I'm treated. Now, it doesn't mean I can't do the work. It just means that I study a lot more than than other people and I will learn I take a lot of notes and I don't know if you remember ever seeing me writing I'm a continuous note taker if you've seen yeah. my notebook yeah. um, you saw my notebook the other day you were yeah. like oh <laughs> that I'm was going. not writing that was scribbles <laughs> that was anxiety that was <laughs> <laughs> but for me I've actually found in the past when I was young I was lucky enough to do jobs that didn't require me to actually talk about saying that I am mm. dyslexic. I was always very anxious about telling workplaces because I was afraid of the way I'd be treated. Now, let's be honest. Have you gone to a workplace where you say, oh, yes, but to let you know, I do have dyslexia, just so you're aware about this? Because in the UK, I don't know how it is in South Africa, 
there is a law where you need to admit if you do have a disability it's actually in the application if you do have one because we have a law to protect us against discrimination but unfortunately as the law is in workplaces let's be honest they don't really take note of that so I've had occasions where when I have been honest about my disability I remember speaking to my manager and I was working in a patisserie and I said and there was a position as a waitress and I and I wanted to build my experience I need to build my experience and I said I would like the opportunity to try out as a waitress as a trial and her response to me was like oh I don't think you can handle it it's just too difficult for you and I just wow okay yeah is this the reason you give everyone else and I've noticed that in every single workplace, as soon as you tell them you have this disability, they treat you like you're stupid. And when yeah. you confront them, they're like, oh, no, 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 we don't think that. No, the reason um, you can't keep this job or that we, we can't keep you in longer is because of some kind of excuse they'll come up with. No. No. And that's been my experience. So it's it's something that has built my anxiety and has, you know, in in my in my personal like situations, which is why I like the idea when I did childcare business on my own. I was my own boss, and mm. I did things correctly, and mm. it it was all good. Well, for me in that sense, that was how it's worked for me. Have you had any experiences similar or something that's happened to you? Have you been lucky enough not to have this? I hope not. Um. Well, yeah, in South Africa, the the only disability that you really need to um, what, declare would be more a physical disability. Um, yeah, I've never had to declare any type of other disabilities. It's not a questionnaire you know, when applying for anything, it's not even questioned in um, interviews, not that I've ever, uh, not any of my interviews. Um, I, yeah, I've never had to declare anything like that. I am, however, the first one that will come to you and say, look, I've messed up here. Um, I need your help. Please, can you help me? No matter if I'm wrong or right or whatever the case may be, I will be honest with you. Um, you also know I've had my own business. My clients are happy with the work that I did for them. And like I mentioned to you, it was um, bookkeeping. So, you know, I'm not... I'm not silly, I'm quite intelligent. If I can put financial statements mm-hmm. together for your accountant, um, you know, I, I don't think I'm, I'm silly at all. It has come up once or twice where I will say I, I'm dyslexic and I know I am and I catch myself doing it every day. Mm. And I remember a client look at me and go like, no, you're not. And I'm like, actually, I am. 
It's just that I catch myself doing it, so then I fix it. I'll type a five instead of a two, for example, you know. But while I'm busy doing it, I realize I'm doing it, and then I'll fix it. And I think that's where the OCD comes from as well. Mm, You know, you check things in time, yes, no, yes. Yeah, I do that still, like, even when I leave my house, I, like, I, I check, like, twice. I go, uh, I go back, I lock it, and then I check it again just to make sure it's registered. I lock the door. I've locked the door in my house. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to paranoid or panic that I forgot. I think that's where, like, how organized we are as, like, Gosh, I'm tempted to say it as a species, what like like we're we're different from everybody else. Like we've, um, we are people that are just so organized because we have to be. I mean, it's like I can't function. Yes, yes, I cannot. I cannot myself. It drives me mental when my mother used to come and. Well, I'm I'm Portuguese listeners, um, so if you are Latin, Portuguese, European, anyone out there listening, we have mothers and you will understand how they want to come into your room and clean. And then anything that you have put away in a certain way, because of your, like, your OCD, your disability, and organise it the way you need to understand it, remember it, yeah, she faffles it. So you can imagine my reaction was always like pulling out my hair, which is why I probably have very thin hair. <laughs> but Andrea, I have to tell you, on Thursday, when I sat down at my desk, and this, this is how bad I am, my desk is clean, it's just dusty, I couldn't, I could, I had to get up and clean my desk, and my screen, and my computer, and my keyboard, before I could do anything. And it was just dust. I, I, I can't. I cannot think. I cannot process. I cannot start my day. It is, for me, dirty. Why is it dirty? Why is the cleaning staff not clean? <laughs> I'm coming. I've got all these questions. Why? 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 Why do I have to clean my own desk? I have no problem doing it. I mean, really, I use my desk. So when I come to but, work one day and I know I need to clean something, you're going to be the one of those wipes. I'm going to come straight to you. I cannot. Like I said to you, in the airplane, I'm there with my wet wipes. But it makes us, but you know, it makes us feel better. But I've noticed that like, I have to. have you seen that so many people, so many important people, even stars, what's it? Tom Cruise, he's dyslexic. Never thought that. Einstein, I think it was Einstein, he has a disability and he is noted as the most genius person in the world. Yeah. And yet, yeah. to this day, it is the 21st century and I feel embarrassed as a human being that we are all still treating each other in this way. But but this is a conversation for another day, though. This is a conversation for another true. day. But um, I'm, so, I'm so glad you came on and shared all of this with me and with us, with our listeners. Uh, hopefully we can do it again. So <laughs> I'm going to tell everyone to stay tuned to the second episode, which will come soon. And we are going to dive into more on the 
legal. I'm going to stick on to my UK legal terms because that's the one I know the best when it comes to disabilities. So please stay tuned, everyone. And Lisa, a big thank you from you. Please holler, everyone. Hope they will get something positive out of this about listening to us whinge and moan and laugh our heads off like chickens, like we are. And stay tuned. Thank you.